Thank you for tuning in. And welcome to season three of the AEC Leadership Today podcast. As we kick off this season, we're jumping right in with some real dialogue with Heather Calvert, Chief Operating Officer of Core Consultants, and our topic is Returnship. In the context of the five key leadership attributes I closed out season two with, this topic aligns with attribute number two, seeing and taking advantage of new opportunities needed to get us to the next level. This opportunity to more strategically and effectively expand, deepen, and diversify our talent recruitment and retention pipeline is open to all of us now and will help us address a very real business problem and bottleneck most of us are facing, but will most likely only be embraced and be effectively acted upon in the near term by talent-focused and progressive-minded firms with a culture that backs it all up. So what is Returnship? Essentially, it is a program similar to well-designed college internships, but for more experienced professionals, who for a variety of reasons, including choosing to caregive, have left our profession or taken time off, and are or may be looking to return. This is a big opportunity now given the many professionals, a disproportionate amount women, who have left our industry over the past 15 plus years. And this is on top of our industry-wide mid-career professional gap created during the Great Recession 10 to 15 years ago, both of which are putting the squeeze on today's leaders and managers. Plus, there are many more experienced professionals, both male and female, who have and may continue to step away due to COVID or the Great Resignation and who may be looking to return in either full or part-time form in the future. Our interest in and our ability to welcome and to successfully onboard, integrate, and develop the smart, motivated, flexible, and experienced mid-career talent has the potential to be a significant component of an effective talent and firm growth strategy, both now and moving forward. Overall, returnship is a fairly new and pretty simple concept, with a potentially huge upside, especially given so many of our changes, but one with several complicating factors, which Heather, a successful and experienced returner herself, helps us to identify and unpack. So without any further delay, let's do it. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of AEC Leadership Today. Our guest is Heather Calvert, Chief Operating Officer at Core Consultants, and our topic is Returnship. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. Well, great. It, it is absolutely um, an honor to have you here, and I'm excited about this topic. But before we begin, can you share a little bit about yourself, your background and career, um, as well as your role today at CORE, and maybe a little bit about the, the firm itself? Sure. 
uh, myself in my career. Um, I'm actually someone who came to the AEC industry late in my career. I started out in the insurance industry, spent almost 20 years doing every role you can imagine within a very large um, insurance company, uh, including lots of management and leadership, but really, frankly, kind of everything, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I am currently, uh, as you said, the COO at CORE and love this role. I switched over uh, about two years ago after taking six years off to uh, just spend time with family and, and make sure that our kids were on the right track, so to speak. Um, but I'm currently at COO at, at CORE. At CORE is based in Denver, Colorado. We do have another office in Winter Park. We focus on land development, um, energy, and public infrastructure, um, engineering uh, scientists that, that uh, work with, frankly, on our energy side, we work with nationwide. Uh, we're all over the place. And um, my role is really running the business side of things. I'm not a technical person, obviously, but I'm in all of the other boxes, the financial, the HR um, leadership, and um, really enjoy it. Well, excellent. Well, thank you for that. Um, and, and really, like we're talking about the concept of returnship, which I know is a, a newer concept, but something that you have experienced yourself. So you really talking from a position of, of experience with this. But as we, you know, kind of dive into the subject, what what is returnship and how did you first learn about it? Despite the fact that you experienced it, I mean, as far as its, its version today, what, what is it and how did you learn about it? Uh, well, the whole reason I was really even researching it um, was because I was part of the Elevate Her cohort for 2021 uh, through Zweig Group, and we had the assignment to come up with uh, some type of program or idea to help increase the diversity in our AEC field. And we were talking about lots of different ideas. And I was just kind of dissatisfied with all of them. I, I think part of it is the business part of me is I really want, I feel strongly that um, change really happens when there's a need. And I had to figure out like, what's the need? Um, and so, uh, I don't know, it was probably a month of just kind of what I call marinating on the idea. And, and, and I went back to the roots of what the Elevate Her group was really formed for, and that was to solve the recruiting and retention problem that the AEC industry has. And um, I was looking in other industries, as I'm apt to do, because I'm not from this industry. And I came across this idea of the returnship um, in my research. And it really, a returnship is really a simple idea. It is welcoming people who have taken time out back into the industry. And what I found was that it was mostly through large financial in institutions, um, some technology, but all very large stock health companies. And I felt like this 
particular solution was really relevant to the AEC community. And um, our group agreed. And so we, we took it up as our, um, as our project. And, and overall, I mean, it is developing across, across multiple industries. And I will say like, you know, learning from other industries or adjacent industries about what happened happening is innovation. I mean, we want to know what's happening in ours and capitalize on that, but really looking at other industries is a way to sort of innovate within our industry. So I think, I mean, this is a perfect example of that. And, you know, looking at, you know, dealing with the talent shortage. Now I, I had done, you had pointed me in the direction of some research and it talked about inter, you know, returnships. The idea of that is um, in some of the, the research was it's essentially an internship, but for people who might be older and more experienced and reentering the workforce. And it, it could be if someone already knows they want to come full-time, it's welcoming them in as an onboarding, but it could also be like an internship, two, three, six months with no guarantee of full-time employment. We're just sort of testing each other out. Are, are there any other working definitions of returnship that you found in your research? Uh, typically, yes. They needed the, the returnship candidate needs to be out of, out of the industry or out of the, you know, not working for about two years. During our research, we, because of COVID, we reduced that to one um, because COVID is completely different issue that uh, definitely people have been leaving the industry because of that as well. Uh, so that that's really it is the program helps train other, you know, the people that are coming back into the industry and it's an internship for more experienced people and they need to have been out for about two years. We, we also were looking at at least five years worth of experience. Uh, so we're really looking at that mid career level person. Right. Which there's a tremendous gap in right now in our industry. I mean, overall, I mean, even if we go back to the Great Recession, the people who either left our industry at that time because they were fairly new or didn't enter our industry because we were going through the Great Recession would have 10 to 15 years experience today. Yes. And so that's the gap. I mean, it does. They don't exist because they didn't come in our industry. And so the question is, if they were there for a while and want to come back, what can we do? But in that period, since the Great Recession, we've also had women leaving our industry at a rate, I've heard two and a half to four times more than men. And so we have a little middle and with a certain skill sets. And then we have people who were in our industry who have left our industry, particularly female um, technical professionals. And on top of that, we have COVID and people leaving because of, you know, sort of other concerns during the pandemic. And then we have the great resignation today where there's people who are leaving because, well, I just want to be done for a while. And so there is already a talent pool out there, particularly of women who have left the industry with how do we get them back in? They have some experience or a lot of experience. And then when we have this growing group of people who we might want to bring back in, who maybe have left last year or will be leaving over the course of the next year. When we think about returnships, I mean, do you see that in the state? Like how, how can firms think about number one, I, you know, and I mean, you've said this multiple times, like what's the business case for that? It seems like that yeah. we're in a war for talent. So there is a business case, but what, what do you think about encouraging firms to understand the business case and then want to do something different in terms of this returnship? I, I honestly think that 
we're at the point where they have to do something about it. I, I think with all the factors that you just mentioned, uh, we're at the place where it, it's really sink or swim. We have to figure out a way to recruit talent, keep them in and uh, from the very beginning, but then also bring back the people that have left. We're not only, we're not only competing with, with companies in our industry, we're competing with the tech industry and the financial industry and whomever else has done a better job of creating that on-ramp for these folks to get back in. Life is not a straight line. It, it isn't, we're not back in the day where someone could start a job, work at the same company for 20 years, 30 years and retire. There's so much going on in everyone's lives that there are times where you have to take a leave for whatever reason. And in companies, I, I feel like we have to evolve to the point where we are looking at our employees as human beings and caretakers and family members and um, whatever else might come up and figuring out a way to be flexible. <clears throat> I, I, I honestly think that is going to be the differentiator between the ones that survive and thrive and the, one that, and the companies that don't. How do you, I mean, there's almost like two groups of people that have left. I mean, there's one group that maybe they left to, to be caregivers, either as parents or two parents. I mean, they've just left, left the industry and then they're coming back. And then, then there's a group who might've left the industry to go to a different, left our industry to go to a different industry, maybe because they've gotten some things more aligned with the way they want to work and how they want to work and that type of thing. You know, even though we're on a development curve for that. When you think of a, a caregiver who's been out, maybe they had you know five to 10 years of experience, they took five to 10 years off and now might want to come back. What do you see as the skills or what does the data say the skills are of that returning professional? Well, it's going to vary depending on their particular profession, right? There's, I think there's a couple of different areas where your returnship would need to focus. First of all, and foremost, it's going to be um, integrating them into the culture, understanding. I mean, if we're bringing someone in mid-career level, right, our goal really is to create someone who can be a part of the leadership team going forward in some way, shape, or form. So it's reintegrating them into networking events, to getting to know clients, to relationship management. Um when you've been out, I mean, I can speak from personal experience when you've been out for five or six years, it's daunting to think about coming back and having to go to a networking event or something similar, right? So there's all these soft skills and these leadership skills that I think are, are really important. And then, then you also have the, the technical piece, and that is going to be much more of an individualized approach. You know, the idea with the returnship is, um, at least with the larger companies, is we have a cohort that we have anywhere from two to 10 people that maybe are coming back at, at the same time. And the company provides some kind of technical uh, development for them so they can get up to speed quickly. Uh, so I, I see it as kind of two buckets. And then you have the third thing of just the support network 
that is created within either the cohort or if you're a small firm and you only have one returner, you you provide them with some sort of mentor who's similar level that they can go to with questions and concerns and just readjustment. I mean, it's almost like a, a well-tuned onboarding program, but but we're getting experienced professionals you know, of maybe, you know, various ages and, and skill sets, but probably coming back with a high level of those essential soft skills. So that's because of life that, that's sort of baked in the cake, but you're onboarding an experienced person with more life skills. And then, but maybe specifically onboarding with, these are the tools of the trade. These are the technologies we're using. You have, we, we have to learn this. This is different than the Excel version you used before, we're using this now. This is how we do timesheets. We used to do, you know, that's changing. And then the clients have changed and then some of the, the project, but it almost seems like onboarding, but it's almost similar stuff to if we're onboarding someone out of school or an internship, yeah. right? I mean, we have to teach those tools and technologies anyway. I mean, maybe just how we use them and then understanding clients and how the business works, but it's someone who's more experienced. It's almost like a, if you could do those together, like design them differently, but do them together, you probably have a lot to learn. Like you're having your, almost like a, a peer group with the interns in a way, but senior yeah. and junior folks, but there's, but, but you, you, but you're coming in with, with the softer skills, which are essential skills. And that's maybe why once they kind of learn the craft a little bit, again, they're ready for more leadership and management positions. Yeah. And, and to your point, it is, it's basically just a, an internship on steroids, right? But the, the key difference here is beyond the career experience, the five to 10 years, whatever they had before they left, the life experience is so valuable. And, and to my, in my mind, undervalued in this industry and not just this industry, but a lot in the AEC world, life, life teaches you things that um, help you in business. And why wouldn't we want those skills and abilities too? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like too, a lot of this is, it isn't a huge commitment to come in and relearn the, the latest technology in your timesheet or your Excel spreadsheet or whatever, right? Um, those folks are smart. <laughs> they, they come back and it's like riding a bike. The whole thing, the learning curve is a lot quicker because they've already been there, done that. It's more just about clearing out the cobwebs and giving the support that they need. And would you say they come back even more motivated? Yes. So it's like they're, 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 there's the, I've got these essential life skills, right? All the things that we're pining for, that the sort of the transformational leadership, the relational aspects, not, not just the transactional pieces. I mean, it all works together, but we'll learn a little bit more of the transactional aspects, right? Because they are important, but I'm coming back with, with the skills that we're pining for today, baked in the cake. I'm flexible. I've had to be flexible and I'm motivated. You just have to onboard me really well and maybe give me the, you know, once I'm up to speed, give me a sense of this, is this the firm I want to work in? Is this the job I want now? And so that's sort of their benefits, but the firm also possibly gets a, a highly skilled and experienced, motivated talent, which kind of even diversifies and enriches their talent pipeline. Yeah, no, that that's exactly. I mean, I can again speak from personal experience. I'm I'm definitely more motivated, uh, having had the the time off and the ability to focus uh, 
uh, and I'm in a place in my life and, and I, I view most returners would be in a place in their life where they're, they're ready to come back and really focus and, and work with colleagues that honor their skills and in companies that allow them to live their values. And, and sometimes that, in, in my mind, part of this returnship is motivating companies, AEC firms, to create more progressive policies. Again, going back to that flexibility, um, allowing these highly skilled, deeply needed folks to still have a life. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's interesting. So, I mean, I, you know, what I... You know, New, new, so if we do this right, if we get these mid-career professionals back in, there's new energy, there's new engagement, and probably higher levels of loyalty because of the, you know, kind of the new appreciation for coming back in and, and welcoming and getting us in. Um, if somebody has left, right, it, it, and maybe it's 100%, it was because I wanted to care give. That was a priority for me, and I, and, and I did it, or I'm doing it, and I want flexibility to continue to do it in that sense. What if someone has left the industry because... I'm just not having, I mean, traditionally it's been in some cases all or nothing. It's 50, 60 hours a week. If you want to be a high performer here, that's just what it takes. Or it's not explicit. It's more of like, well, if if I really want to be successful here, that's what I have to do. So I'm going to self-select out because I kind of want to have a balanced life. Even before we were talking about work-life balance, even if, I mean, what, what do you think has to happen? Like what would be some of the impediments that there's a reason I left the first time. Like, you know, if we go through and say, you know, who's left the industry, who would we want to welcome back? I mean, what do you think needs to change internally to truly welcome people back who have left? Uh, Well, I think a lot of it goes back to the HR policies and I'm not going to lie. I mean, we're a client based business and at this point in time, everyone is super busy and, So it isn't always easy to create that balance. Um, There are times that we have to work 50 hours a week, right? Because the client needs it. But I think the difference here is striving to be a company that doesn't glorify the hours, uh, creates the policies for um, working when it makes sense for you to work. And not and being okay with it, have it having it be normal, uh, creating those HR policies around family leave, medical leave that allows people to take care of the things they need to talk take care of, uh, and being okay with it. I, I think there's kind of two elements here. It isn't just the policy; it's the culture around the policy. And it's much more complex, uh, but but honestly, those it, it, recruiting is a sales job, just like getting new clients is, right? And we have to be the the firm of choice, right? And being a high achieving professional, I mean, it does take you know th- there are there are sort of sprints, and then there you know hopefully there's seasons where it's normalized, yeah. right? So we can recover and keep going. It, it's, it's the constant sprints, but I mean, it's almost like there's a, tr- a, a, a cultural transformation and maybe even like how we work 
um, and and how we're managing our workload. It sounds like you know moving from away from its hours and butts and seats to how do you deliver value? What are the outputs and the outcomes we're looking for? And how do we deliver that? Which is kind of changing some of the management style that has so many of us have grown up with. Like I know how to manage hours. I don't know how to measure or manage for outputs and outcomes yet. I mean, we're in a transition of, of that piece. How, um, when you're thinking like, let's say leadership gets it. There's obviously a, a huge value to the business to bring in these because there's a gap anyway of these mid-career professionals um, and are the ones we have are typically at that super busy portion of their career where they're trying to you know make a name for themselves right after they've mastered their craft they're managing that they might be managing a busy um, home life they're super busy and overwhelmed and maybe burning out too but and so we're going to provide more people who could help out for that middle range like the manager stuff how so the business case is there, leadership is behind it. If we move in and have these returnships, again, more, um, more experienced internships coming in, what do you think are, well, what have you seen or what do you think might be some of the barriers with those in like internal, internal managers, you know, some of the barriers that you might see of resistance or would, would there be any? Oh, no, for sure there are. And I think it's all around time. You hit the nail on the head. I, I think my highest concern is that group of people you just mentioned. They're really, the ones we have that are, they're amazing, but they are really crunched for time because there's not many of them. We are constantly recruiting for those folks to help to come in and, and help them. And yeah, you, you run into this wall of, I just don't have the time. And, and so we, as a leadership team have to figure out how can we help with that? And, and it is, that's our biggest barrier is when you're busy and you're mid-career and you're busy at home and you're busy at work is finding the time to bring these folks on. And that might get into the design, the structure of the program. So there'd be this, you know, number one, a desire to do that. We want to welcome these big career professionals in. So we're really trying to align. I mean, if we're advertising and marketing, using yeah. our networks, you know, talking to people who have left our firm, people who in the industry knew who left their firms or, you know, using our internal networks. But we, we want to do this. We want to be a welcoming place. We want this onboarding program. How did, what are some of the tools you think Knowing the constraints, how do we structure the onboarding and the learning and development so that after six months, we really have a, a keen assessment that those potentially really great employees returning to us with that skill set, they're ready to go. Um, and as a firm, we, we've done our work and we want them. How do you, what do you think from the research or your experience, how would we go about structuring that? Well, I, I think the key first is really assessing the individual and where they are and making sure that we have a plan for them and that we're not wasting their time with things they don't need. Um, I think we are going to have to look at external resources, which means spending money to help bring them up to speed. Um, 
in the ways that they need. We, as a firm anyway, for us, we've done a lot of homework around what are those external resources? How can we leverage them to the best benefit for these people? And then I think it's about spreading, which is also a benefit for the returner, spreading that um, tutorial work out among lots of different people. So no one person has too much of a time uh, constraint with them. And also it allows the returner to integrate more quickly because they have lots of different contacts. So I think it's a combination of things. I think the leadership team really has a responsibility to take the lead with it and to make sure that these folks are um, properly given what they need while not overtaxing the the, the people that are already in the firm that, that are looking for these um, returners to help. So, right. But a leadership, to, you know, decision to invest just like it, it well, I guess it's the similar to an internship program. Mm-hmm. Why do I need this junior in college or why, you know, why, what, you know, what do they, it's a leadership decision to invest because we want that next generation coming in, right? We want to take, you know, be able to leverage the top talent coming out of certain universities, but it's the same mindset, but almost you can, it's similar to those. This seems like a great internship program where you're kind of spreading it around, but, but it's tailored to that individual. We have a, a system, a program, but it's tailored, but it's not, I mean, to, I don't want to put words, it's not sink or swim, you know, which is Hey, we'll see you at the end of the summer. We'll see you at the end of the six month <laughs> period. Um, hopefully, I mean, cause that hopefully it worked out well and you still want to be here and, and we know enough about you, but I mean, that's certainly not efficient or effective, and certainly not welcoming or respectful for someone who has real life experience and is saying, I want to come back. I can contribute. <laughs> is this the right place for you? You can't do this in six months for me or three months for me. It's probably no. not the firm for me. No. And, and it honestly, I, I do think that's one of the biggest hurdles is absolutely not being a sink or swim situation, uh, which means again, resource at the leadership level that, you know, for our internship program, we have someone who's in kind of in charge of it. And she isn't necessarily the person doing all the training, but she's the one coordinating it. Uh, we would have a similar situation with a returnship program. Uh, it's really about the uh, interns are easier uh, because generally they're coming in all at the same level. We kind of know where they are from a skill set and we know it's going to be kind of more of a basic technical training kind of a program. Returners really need the assessment at the front end uh, to really understand what is their prior experience, what is their confidence level, where do they fit into the firm as far as what we need, and what skills do they need immediately, what skills do they need in two months, uh, and what skills do they need in order to be successful for years. And it's about prioritization on those skills and and resourcing it in a way that isn't too taxing on any one person. So it, it, you know, it's, it's comp, it can be complicated and there is a resource involved, but I would rather spend the resource and the time and money on bringing someone like that back into our firm, back into this industry, than you know, paying an external recruiter to bring, to steal someone from another company. 
Right, right. And it's a return on it. It's an investment, but there's a, a business case return on investment happening. And that's on the firm side. So, I mean, that was, you know, setting up the structure and this is how we would be successful to the extent we have people who approach us or we reach out to who say they want to come in and uh, participate in our returnship program. If we switch gears, if we're the person who has been out caregiving and maybe, you know, the numbers are probably a female, but also men who have stepped away to caregive. But if someone's been out of the industry for 10 years, if you, if we kind of wear their shoes, like what are they, what are their fears? Like, what are they thinking? What, what are the, some of the hurdles perceived or in reality to wanting to reach out and say, Heather, I'd like to explore coming back. I mean, what, so what, what, what should be a wheel? What should we be aware of as far as their mindset? And again, the hurdles that they're seeing either real or preserved, or, um, perceived. You know, one of the hurdles I, I see from a returner standpoint is really just awareness. I think you leave the industry, you get absorbed in whatever it is you're doing. And in your mind, nothing's changed. So you, you may have been out 10 years, but your view of the industry is whatever it was 10 years ago. So first and foremost, I kind of see it as a, a problem of how do we reach those folks? How do we convey the message that things have changed? We're different. We have a program because I think the, the other hurdle from a returner standpoint is, oh my gosh, all my skills are so out of date. No one is going to want me. I haven't been doing anything, which is not true. <laughs> right. It's just been doing different things and developing because humans develop um, over the course of their life. Um, learning and developing in ways that are still very valuable for the business. Um, and so we have to figure out a way to convey that message too, because it is so different than how most of us have grown up is that, Oh, there's a gap on your resume. What are you going to, you know, how are you going to explain that? Um, I'm actually interested in the gap. I think it's a valuable thing to have gone and done some life and learned and developed in a different way. So it's an, it really is more of just a, a messaging. Uh, but those are the two hurdles I see is one is just how do we get to them? How do we reach them? And two, overcoming their own um, concerns and fears and maybe intimidation about reentering the workforce and um, feeling less than because they've maybe been out. I, I know I felt it. Uh, so, and I have a few other friends who have experienced the same thing where it's very intimidating. So we have to, we have to provide that welcoming message. So even though the, the, the structure of a returnship could be structurally similar to an internship that the how you do it the the connection with leaders the connection with um, peers and mentors has to be even next level because of number one I can talk to you as an adult because you are an adult 
And um, there's going to be things that maybe don't express themselves right away, but I really, these are some of my underlying concerns. And so you would only get those out through a deeper level of mentorship through the process and really peer-to-peer learning and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I think that again, going back to that cohort thing, I think it's really about establishing trust and having a trusted advisor or peer type of person uh, or, or two or three that they can go to um, and having the culture in your firm when things aren't going right, we, you know, the, the firm is able to reassess and redirect uh, and be willing to hear it. Again, it, it just points back to becoming more of a progressive uh, company and, and a culture that that is open to that because we don't have it all mapped out. I mean, I, you know, this idea is in its very infancy, infant stages. And we're actually hoping that the next cohort takes on this, this particular um, issue and develops it further because there's so much more to be done. But a lot of it is in the end going to be about the individual firm and the leadership and the commitment and the culture. Right, which more firms are evolving towards having a better one. But I mean, you know, this is emerged. I mean, it's been emerging across different major industries and major players. I mean, if you, some of the research you sent me to, I mean, they're, they're you know, SAP, Intuit, Goldman Sachs, you know, Amazon Web Services. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're experimenting with this and that's only been a few years old. And how do we now translate that into professional services, right? Our industry, which is moving from probably a more traditional, but to your point that there's very pressing issues right now and major opportunities if we we explore this well and be able to to get these mid-career professionals in there. So there's there's very good reason to do it. And we're in a desperate search for talent. Yeah. So we can groom and grow it, but that's going to, that even the best students come out of school, it takes five, 10 years to groom and grow. I mean, we want to maybe accelerate that to three and seven, but is it six months? Is it one year with someone who has life experience? I mean, that's a pretty rapid return on investment with someone who you can then send out to clients right away. Yeah, no, it, that's exactly my point. And and to be honest with you, the stats are not in our favor. We have boomers retiring every year. We have much smaller generations coming behind. We have um, lots of industries that are competing for the same people we are. I don't see this as a short-term COVID problem. Um, I see this as something that this industry has to evolve. Right. And it, it is continuing to do so, but how can we really evolve doing something different? Doing something different, feel, f- solving a business problem, which is that recruiting and retention. And, and I think to your point, you, you have to grow, you have to hire them in and grow them simultaneously with recruiting returners and, and hiring, you know, experienced people. I, you have to do all of it in, in order to really make it work. Right. Especially for growing firms in a growing industry with, you know, we're serving society. Society is growing and developing. And there's, you know, the timing of this is that there's a federal infrastructure bill, which will probably, probably drive more yep. growth and investment with a lot of what we do in this industry. So th- there are those growth pressures out there 
and how do we best serve our clients and be able to grow as a firm, create opportunities and, and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. How, when you, you think of um, firms looking to maybe find resources, you mentioned, you know, you were part of one of the, the inaugural class of the Elevate Her group. I mean, are there resources, and I mean, the, the, this next cohort will take this on, are there res- resources available um, other than a Google search that have been developed that firms can, you know, say for this industry specific, here's what's being done, or is that we're so early in this process that it's just, if we're going to be innovative, we're going to jump on this right away and and not wait for the guidelines to be developed. You know, we have some best practices there. Return returnships are also prevalent in other countries. Australia seems to have a lot of resource around this. Um, But for our industry specifically, no, it is a little bit of taking what's already out there um, from a best practices standpoint and adapting it for our industry, for small to medium-sized firms is, is really the target. I haven't been able to find anything out there that's specific to uh, that audience. It's all very large stock held companies. It's international and it's so new. We're talking, I think Goldman Sachs maybe started their program in 2018. So none of this is very well established or very, um, perfected, especially because I do see it as a quite a different idea for these small to medium-sized firms from like a large, large stock, stock held company. I just think there's a lot more resources available. I, I think the issues are different. Um, still very valuable program, but just it is really going to be about kind of, you know, blazing the trail, which is cool. Which to some degree, a small to medium-sized firm may not be unencumbered by bureaucracy and they can actually make real changes if the mindset changes and the leadership changes and we're going to make this happen, they might have the wherewithal to pull it off faster than a larger organization who has to go through just different layers and create big programs. We could do it one great employee at a time and then perfect it as we move forward. I firmly believe that having had um, that experience in the, in the large company and it, there's so much great about it. But one of the things I think that I love about being in a smaller firm is the fewer layers, the ability to really just innovate and take action right away. Well, as we look to close, I, I is there anything else related to you know the broader you know recruitment and retention, but specifically in respect to returnship and how that can aid that we haven't discussed that you'd like to discuss? No, I no, I feel like we've we've covered it pretty well. I mean, it's a pretty simple concept with a lot of complicated steps in order to make it happen. And I certainly am not uh, shying away from that. I don't I, I don't think this is one of those things where you click the box and you say, yep, I have a return ship. There is actually work involved and there has to be leadership investment and commitment at all levels. It's what I would consider to be a very important thing that we need to take on. Uh, I think the urgency is growing 
so we need to be strategic as a as a an industry and as a firm and, and really get on it because it it will in my mind these types of things will be the key to success in the future. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And I want to thank you for joining us and sharing about um, returnship, the highlights, the benefits of attracting people back to our industry, um, and also some of those practical steps, the ideas to think about, and especially powerful from someone who has walked in those shoes and, and returned to industry and then, but also extremely familiar with the nuances of, of our AEC industry now. So I, I really appreciate the perspective. How can folks reach out to you to connect with you, maybe learn more about you know, your experience in this, um, learn more about core consultants and, and even just share stories about you know, and resources they have related to returnship? I would love it if they would connect with me on LinkedIn or can absolutely email me. Um, my email is hcalvert at liveyourcore.com. Happy to engage in any types of conversation around this. I, I'm very passionate about this particular topic. Well, excellent. We'll also put the, that yeah link those links to LinkedIn and your email in the show notes. So Heather, well, thank you and um, look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks, Pete. Really appreciate your time. Take care. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established. And I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together, we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others, both inside and beyond our organizations. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.